It is my pleasure and honor to introduce our guest speakers this morning. Um, everybody knows Rachel, right? <laughs> she's the one that smiles all the time, you know, and she's an encourager. And Rachel's been attending Impact for a long time. You might not know her husband unless you attend um, Married Under 40 which I don't qualify for, but <laughs> I know they're doing an awesome group uh, study there as well. He's also pastor here on staff. Please welcome Pastor Tim and Rachel this morning. Thank you. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for the opportunity, uh, Pastor Karen, and everyone for inviting us. This is... Good morning. This is great. <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny because you say that, and it's like, I think everybody does know Rachel. I met someone outside of, they don't go to this church or anything. I'm like, do you know Rachel? Because I assumed that they probably do. They actually didn't. It was like one person in the entire <laughs> state of Michigan. But uh, You're so sweet. yeah, uh, real quick, a little bit of, of our story before we, before we get going. We live a busy life because we have four kids. Uh, which I know a lot of you probably have kids. We have four kids, mm -hmm. the oldest one being six and a half, and the youngest one, uh, yeah, there's our picture. So uh, a little, like, thing that we've got going on, every time we get a family picture, professional family picture taken, we have a baby within eight months of that. So there's actually four kids in this picture, just one of them's uh, easy to carry, at the, take care of at this point. But uh, our oldest, Josephine, she's the one holding the flowers. Now she's... She's six and a half. She's a, an incredible little girl. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got Jaden. Uh, when he was little, I used to call him my little juggernaut because it was hard to stop him from running if he got going because, <laughs> like, he's, he's a big dude for his age. And then, and then in the middle on the bottom, Jude the dude, mm -hmm. uh, he's, he, is, he, he takes after Rachel, and he is always happy. <laughs> he, <laughs> he's always got a smile on his face. So, um, uh, our story began in, in 2009. I was on staff here as a, a youth intern, and um, I was playing worship in the 180, which is the room that's right on this side. Many of you have been in there. Uh, I was playing worship in there uh, on, on stage playing guitar, and this girl walked in. Actually, her dad walked in first, and then she walked in, and I was like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> After that service, the funny thing is, is the, this wasn't intended, but after that service, uh, after that service, I sat and talked to her dad for an hour until she finally decided to come around so that I could get to know her. <laughs> so that was April. I thought you were just hitting it off. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think it was April 27th, 2009. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if uh -huh. it was the 27th or 26th, but uh, in July 10th, I asked her dad if I could court her with the intention of getting married, and he was like, heck yeah. Um... He was a lot better guy than the ones I'd brought home in the past, and then, my earlier years. <laughs> and then that, that evening, we had a youth event going on, and I was on staff in the youth. So we were here, and after the youth event, I remember I got in the car. I'm like, so awkwardly like, hey, I think you're awesome. I'd like to get to know you more. And it totally came out like, I think she had to say, like, what are you asking? <laughs> you know? And finally, I'm I said, like, I'd like, to, I'd like to court you, <laughs> you know? Um, and then September 12th. Uh, we got engaged, so this is all within just a couple months. We got engaged September 12th, yep. uh, and then we got married on December 4th. Mm -hmm. So the same year, we met in April um, and married. Um, it's funny because I, I, it was September 12th that we got engaged, but I actually asked her dad if I could marry her two weeks after I asked him if I could court her. It just took me a while to get the ring. I didn't have a lot of money. I had to save up <laughs> money, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But uh Anyways, we're, we're, honored, we're honored to be here. Uh, like Pastor Karen said, uh, we have the opportunity to oversee Married Under 40, uh, mm -hmm. which, which has been an incredible thing because ever since we got married, we said, we said to each other, we feel like we're called to marriage ministry. Um, so when they offered up that opportunity, it was kind of like the Lord bringing back something that he had put <laughs> on our hearts mm -hmm. uh, almost 10 years ago. So, mm -hmm. um, so we're honored to do that. I also oversee, I also get the opportunity to oversee our, what's called first impressions here at Res Life, uh, which is ushers, greeters, car drive, uh, shuttle drivers, uh, hospitality team, our community, a lot of teams. There's actually eight teams on first impressions. So, but we're honored we're honored to be here. Um, mm -hmm. It's awesome. We've got, we've got a, a, a story of kind of some things that have happened in our life recently because I'll, I'll say this. Anytime you get asked to teach on marriage with your spouse, 
they expect the devil to try to mess with some things, right? Uh, because he's like, he's going he's gonna to poke some fingers because what does the devil want to do? He wants us to think we're unworthy, unqualified. Um, we've got something wrong with us. We're broken. Uh, and, and honestly, we've got some stories. There's kind of some stuff that, that's happened in our life in the last, uh, last couple months that will kind of illustrate that. We do have one more son we forgot oh, yeah, to mention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not in the but picture. But he is in my stomach, so it's easy not, to forget not in here, that picture. In there. Yes. Sorry. Um, we have Josiah, and all of you, I think I mentioned at the end, our wrap-up last spring um, in our breakfast morning that we had a testimony of his healing to a brain. They had found an abnormality in his brain that could, if further testing were warranted, need um, some chromosome testing. It could have been fatal in the womb, and he had a clear bill of health at his 32-week ultrasound, and he was born <laughs> fully healthy. He's four months old. He is perfect and whole. He is Jehovah has healed is what his name means, and that was prophesied over him before we even knew anything. So we, we had been given his name. So anyways, um, we're so honored to be with you guys, and um, Marriage is something very dear to our hearts. Like Tim said, even when we were courting, we felt a call from the Lord to sow into and to speak into and to encourage and cast God's hope in your marriage, our Father's hope for your marriage into other people's lives. There is no place that can't be healed. There is no valley too deep that God can't reach in and grab you out of. He's here for you this morning. When I walked in, and I, I knew I was prepared that we weren't going to have the small group tables where we all have a place to put our coffee so we don't knock it over with our foot, you know. We can kind of be orderly. And I, the Holy Spirit, I sat down in the chair to nurse Josiah, and the Holy Spirit said, there's a reason. It's more than the quilts. There's a reason. This morning is for you. This morning is for you. This isn't going to be a group discussion on how's everyone's marriages so we can get drawn into, oh, wait, they've got it worse, so I don't need to fix anything. I don't need the Lord to look at my heart because I'm distracted <laughs> on what they've got going on. So I think that there is a great purpose more than our honoring quilt service is I think Father loves us enough to know that we're going to be talking about something that is about our heart. And our soul, like that song that said, I'll stand with arms high, heart abandoned. This morning, let's give our hearts abandoned to God. Lay it before the throne of grace so that in awe, we can allow him to work on our soul. Because let's be real. It's our mind, our will, and our emotions that muck up our marriage. That's where it's at. Our spirit is his. Our heart is his. We trust in the Lord, but our soul needs some work this morning. So that's where I'm going to start. And um, we're going to surrender our soul to him. So I got a little thing this morning when I was curling my hair, and it said, every victory is for the king, not for me. So nothing this morning is for me. Every victory is for him. The victory in your marriage is for him. It's not so you can post on social media that you have a very amazing marriage. It's not so we can rub it all around that we have an amazing marriage. Yes, that is the gospel being presented. That is the hope. But our victory for our soul being surrendered and healed and restored, the victory is for the king. It's not for me. It's all for him. So... I don't have time to act like I have had a perfect life this last five months. There's no time for that, okay? Because the Lord told me there's some hearts that need to hear a real story, need to hear real life, real marriage stuff. I have four kids. I homeschool two of them. I'm a nurse, not a teacher. I went to public school, not homeschool, ed. Like, this is new. My life is fun, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can relate to almost probably all of you, okay? And if you are not married, you are not left behind in this, okay? This is my heart to your heart. I'm just going to try to reflect the Lord. Just don't look at me. Here, don't look at me. You could say, oh, great, she had it messed up too. You can say that. That's fine. I can handle that. But I don't have time for you to miss what God has for you this morning, okay? 
because what I just went through, looking like a chameleon, wearing every kind of emotion the last six months, God said, you were literally feeling what my daughters are wearing. So I wore it. That's fine. I wore it. There were days I could not physically smile. Me, the daughter full of joy. I couldn't physically smile. I stood in my kitchen going, just smile, Rach. Just smile. The kids are sleeping. And it hurt. Like, it didn't look like that. It was like, like, it was horrible. And I said, what is going on? I was wearing all sorts of stuff these few months, and it's not for nothing. I'm going to give it to him. And this is just something I wrote because I wanted to not miss anything. So, sisters, have you found yourself, this is a note from me, okay, this is my note to you, because I don't want to forget anything. So, have you found yourself in a place of constant questioning? What was I created for? What are my gifts? What are my passions? Who are my friends? Am I doing okay at this thing called marriage? What are my children turning out like? Am I fun to live with? Why can't I complete tasks these days? Why do I feel like I've lost my shazaz? Why can I not snap out of this funk? Where did the excitement for the dreams that I once had go? How do I communicate my heart to God and to my husband to get help? So I had spent two years in Bible college, and I'm telling you, I filled myself like crazy with the word of God and everything to do with how to minister. And it was a lot. That was a tough season having babies through that. And I I put, I spent all these years dedicated. Here we are. We can be, hmm, okay, this is the color of my kitchen floor right here. Do you know how easy this is to camouflage? Dirt. (laughs) Like, I can have so many people over to my house, and as long as they don't take off their shoes, (laughs) my floors feel really clean. (laughs) So this is what I want to talk about. Just because you get saved, you go to Bible school, you go to Freedom Ministries, you're doing lovely, life's amazing, you're getting compliments, your marriage is awesome right now, don't be deceived because the time of trials and struggles, they're coming, okay? And I'm happy person, so I can usually look like this and camouflage it pretty well, okay? You can be filled with the word of God and you can struggle, so don't be deceived that you're failing, okay? So I was filled with the word of God, but I was empty of the closeness with my creator, I was empty of the eternal value to show for my days. <laughs> what did I do today that's going to account, you know? I had been gifted another day on the earth. What did I do? I was empty of fruit, of laboring for him. I was laboring for myself. I found myself explaining to Tim how years ago I was living in the vision I knew God had for me. I was leaning into God daily. I'd lay at his feet for hours. I would disciple junior high students with great diligence to know God to the fullest and to experience him tangibly. We were in youth ministry, so that was a while ago. I was in communion with an amazing group of believers, and I was teaching. I love to teach. Teaching is a huge part of my life. I love to nourish with the promises of God, and I love to lead others into a personal walk to challenge them to crave the Lord. But somehow, this all started getting less and less part of my routine. I started having babies. Lots of babies. I started schooling my babies, spending time with my babies. I began overloading my day with tasks that were good and tasks that were fun. I began opening my eyes to social worlds out there and how colorful it all seemed as I scrolled through the feeds. When all of a sudden I realized now that the noise of all the day-to-day had slowly began to take the place of my source. It began to place pressure on my clock, my calendar, my agenda, my priorities, my days and my nights, and my relationships. I have begun to feel detached. I had begun to feel detached from everything. I felt distracted, unable to concentrate on reading. I could read or hear something said to me, and I literally couldn't retain what was said to me. On that night, I laid there 
bearing myself as an open book to my very tired husband, you know, because you wait till 10.30 when all the kids are asleep and you know they won't wake up, who had to physically sit on the edge of the bed to now not allow himself to fall asleep because he knew this was a very important conversation, he said, I was broken. I'd been believing a lie that what I was doing at home was not fulfilling the call on my life. I had believed that lie, that what I was doing with my babies and the soil that I'm doing that is really sticky and messy with little ones was not fulfilling the call in my life. And I was believing that I had missed it with the shortcomings I had done, foot and mouth, you know, moments. I was believing that I wasn't called to do great things and that my joy couldn't be given back to me. I ultimately ended the conversation that night with Tim saying, I just miss my father so much. I just want to be so tangibly close to him and his heart again. I need him. I have been more consumed with the things of this world and the distractions that it offers than assuring that my full attention is on what Father God has for me and my home today. What he has for me to do with him and then through him and then back for him. My husband is the safest place that I have to lay bared out and real. What's going on inside of me? And I think the fact that I could finally release into the open what I'd been struggling to face was a huge turning point for my life. So there I laid, wearing all sorts of emotions, difficulty in my day. Just, um, that's real. Like, you can get in a place in that. I was exhausted. I had gone through a high of my baby being healed. Here's my precious baby who cries all the time after he was born. <laughs> you know, a lot of you know. <laughs> you helped me in that season. So anyways, I searched for the heart of God in what I was going through, and I found it. I found a king named King Asa in 2 Chronicles 15. You can read it later. It's a story where I really have been searching. And what happened is this king, Israel, he was the third king of Judah. Israel had not been seeking after the Lord. They had just cut off the Lord. There were no priests. There was no worship. They had just gotten lost, you know. And this prophet of the Lord came to this king and said, listen, if you start searching for God, you're going to find him. If you don't leave him, he will never leave you. Okay? Something happened in Asa's heart. This king got brave. This king got courage. You need, we need to snap out of the funk. Like, I needed to snap out of the funk. I don't have time to be in a funk. Like, my friends don't have time for me to be in a funk. My husband does not have time for me to be in a funk. My kids, my neighbors, people at church, there's not time for me to be in a funk. There's lost people. Like, I needed to snap out of it. And Asa, he snapped out of it. He got brave. A fire started in his heart, and he got some courage, and he started making some change in his life. He was slashing down those altars, slashing down those idols, all the lies that you believed, all the sin that you let in your life. You better believe it. Lying, idolatry in your mind, comparison, sinning against your husband, all of that selfishness. I don't want to serve him. I'm exhausted. I just taught all the kids. I just cleaned the house. I'm exhausted. I want to serve him. He got to drink coffee and meetings all day. I don't want to do it. <laughs> that is not okay. Like, we got to snap out of it, you know? Like, <laughs> so anyways, King Asa, it says that he removed every idol. He cut down every idol and he burned them. He got rid of it. And then he started restoring the sacred place. He started restoring, restoring, washing, cleaning, rebuilding, staining, building anything that had been torn down that shouldn't have been torn down. And then he recommitted his life and his nation to obey the Lord with their whole being, it said. Their whole being, nothing missing, nothing lacking, every thought, every action, every word. And it said that they lived in peace. And people from even Israel all over the area, they wanted to come. That's the purpose of our marriage. Like, we can get there. That's like the goal. But we got to start with steps. 
We got to start with steps. We've got to start with removing. So Second Chronicles 15, starting at verse 2, the, 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 the setup is this. Asa is the king of Judah, and the prophet comes to him. This is what the prophet said. It says, the Lord is with you, and when the Lord is with you when you are with him. If you obey him, you will find him, but if you leave him, he will leave you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God and without a priest to teach them and without the teachings. But when they were in trouble, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel. They looked for him and found him. It goes on, says this, it says, in verse 7 it says, But you should be strong. Don't give up because you will be, or you will get a great reward for your work. Basically, the prophet's coming and encouraging them. And then this is what it says, in ver- starting in verse 8. It says, Asa felt brave when he heard those words and the message from Azara, son of Oded, the prophet. So he removed the hateful idols from all of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns that he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He repaired the Lord's altar that was in front of the porch of the temple of the Lord. And then verse 12 says, Then they, meaning the nation, made an agreement to obey the Lord, the God of their ancestors, with their whole being. What we want to talk to you guys about today is kind of this. Oftentimes, whether in life or in marriage, we'll realize that what our expectation was and where we thought we were going to be doesn't meet where we're currently at. I'll put it this way. Our promise doesn't meet our present And we can get frustrated in those times, but God's got a plan. God's got something he wants to do. But just like King Asa, we need to find hope that we can grab onto. The prophet came and spoke words to him, and that was hope that he could grab onto, that something could be different. Mm-hmm. That something could change because no hope means that you're down, you're, you're going you're gonna to be out of it. Your face is going to be down. You're not going to be encouraged. But when you have hope, you can lift up your face to God mm-hmm. and you can, you can look to him mm-hmm. because he's got something for you. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and let's pray this morning before we get into it. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. Mm-hmm. Father, we thank you for this morning. Father, we know that you've got a plan and a purpose. You've got something you want to do in each and every one of our hearts this morning. So, Father, right now we turn ourselves towards you. As as the psalmist prayed, we say, search us, O Lord, and know our hearts. Test us and know our anxious thoughts. And, Father, if there's anything in us that we need to change, Lord, we ask that you would point it out so that we can grow closer to you and we can have the lives and the promises that you have for us. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's one thing I've realized over the years. We're in a battle. The battle is for the health and the effectiveness of our lives, but it's also for the health and the effectiveness of our marriages. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was reading John 10.10 and thinking about that this week a whole bunch throughout this message and getting ready for today. And, uh, And it says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and life abundant. And what I really thought about when I read that verse this week is, There's two plans for our life. There's a plan that God has, that Jesus has, and that's for us to have an abundant life and an abundant marriage. But then there's a plan that the enemy has. Mm -hmm. And we need to choose to partner with what God is doing. Mm -hmm. So you look at King Asa. The first thing Asa did was this. He removed the things that were trapping his nation where they were at. So he took and he removed the idols. He removed the places of worship. He, he cleaned up. He looked and said, anything that sucks life out of my nation, I'm going to get rid of. So he started to clean it up and he started to get rid of it. These are things like distractions. Do you know that some things can be good, but when they're put in the wrong place, they can be bad, right? Mm-hmm. So often, good things try to get in a place in our life where they become too important and they become, they become an idol. So he removed the idols. Those were things that, that distracted them. Uh, we, we, have to, we have to think about destructive heart issues like lies and bad or wrong beliefs, unforgiveness, selfishness, pride, comparison. Uh, the belief that our spouse has to change. How easy is that one? 
oh, no, Lord, it's their fault. <laughs> right? Right? I totally have to confess. So, like, Mike Benson was here a couple weeks ago, you know, and how many of us can be like, my goodness, a man who just goes and like this and this and all the healings and all the, you know, the souls being one. Don't tell me you weren't like, does my husband do that? You know, like you got to watch that. My husband needs to change stuff with all that. <laughs> Is it my turn? Okay, so so I have such a good example of this. I have propaganda morning for you and make sure I've got 18 minutes left. Okay, we've got 18 minutes left. All right, so. I was given a physical example this morning. So how many of you have a lot of traffic in your marriage? You've got kids, you've got in-laws, you've got lots of friends, you're involved in the community, you've got people in your home, helping people, you know, trying to be the hands and the feet of Christ. Well, Lord knows when it was just you and your husband in your apartment and you took your shoes off at the door and you cozied up and cuddled on the couch, you only had to like sweep and mop your floors like <laughs> once every four months. <laughs> Give or take. I mean, there might be an area, right, that you just get with a washcloth. So that was my, I'm just going to be real, that was my, oh, I worked a lot. So anyways, that was my real issues. I didn't have to mop and sweep a lot when we didn't have kids. Oh, has it changed? Like, oh, so this week, like, I've got kids who are, like, dancing in the rain and bringing in the beetles and the snails and the frogs and the leaves because they want to make a craft. And I've got leaves and I've got Cheerios and I've got Legos and I have, oh, I've got everything. I have balloons that have popped. I've got dirt, like, crazy amounts of dirt. I've got random raisins. I have oh, syrup. My son, Jude, every time he's done with his pancakes, he, if I don't look when he's taking his last bite, the, the plate is upside down and dripping because he just likes to see it drip slow and controlled. So it is like, oh, and there comes a time where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to clean this spot. We got to go. We got to go to church. We got to get to homeschool classes. Like, okay. And I get so annoyed when I walk on dirty floors in my home. Like, I'm like, oh, gosh. You pick it up on your bare, you know any of you have done this. You pick it up off your foot, and if you're diligent, you put it over in the trash. Or it belongs, so you don't do it again. But how many Legos am I just like, and I kick it under the couch, <laughs> kick it under the counter, <laughs> that little ledge, I'll get that later, you know? That's what I'm talking about. The conversation that you just kind of said a little too much with your husband and you were acting on your emotions, that's a Cheerio. <laughs> the friend who's speaking into your marriage who's saying, you shouldn't have to put up with that. You deserve to be treated better. Yeah, you might. But you better have a friend who's going to help you only figure out you and measure it to the word of God and not what the world says is acceptable. Because I'm going to tell you, that's a sticky mess. That's sticky. And if you've allowed that in the floor of your marriage, whoa, I'm just saying that's dangerous and that should be a high alert attention for you, okay? Or if you're starting to look elsewhere for affection, that is real sticky stuff, you know? I'm talking like the stuff that's the dirt and the mire, you know, the Cheerios, that's like, uh oh, overbooked the schedule this week, sorry, honey. We're going to reconnect and promise we're going to spend time on Friday night. <laughs> between 10 and midnight. <laughs> okay, so there's a process in this. First of all, you got to get annoyed enough and motivated enough to get out the broom and the dustpan and sweep it up. Not just the one area, but you got it. That's us this morning. We got to sweep it up. There is a process in this. If I mopped and restored before I swept up, it's all going to go to my baseboard. It's going to go stick under my fridge and collect all my Pomeranian's fur. It's wonderful, you know? So there's a process. You've got to sweep it up. And you know what I realized? There's some areas before I can start this, I had to tie some children down. Like Jude, oh, him and the syrup. I'm like, okay, for my sanity, so I know you're not going to get hurt in this process. <laughs> Now, I would hurt him, but it's going to get slippery after I'm in restoration. Um, I need to keep you in that chair. So here's a banana. I'm going to chop up your banana. You're done with your sticky pancake. I'm going to put that over here. Put the baby on the table with you. There are some relationships that you need to put some boundaries on. 
okay? Because maybe you're like, I've got courage, I have bravery, my marriage is gonna work, or I wanna get married someday, or I want a restoration in a different relationship. This can relate to anything. I see where the sticky is coming from. And if I'm gonna sweep, Lord knows you can't sweep that sticky. Like, it's gonna ruin what you're cleaning up. It's not gonna work, okay? There are some relationships that you need to put in a booster seat. You need to make sure that it can't mucky up and you need to make sure it doesn't get hurt while you're getting cleaned up, okay? Because I had my five and six-year-old on the rug in the living room and I made a fun tent with little couches and blankets and they were doing homeschool, I'm gonna stay over there, okay? I don't want your footprints on my restoration. That's real. Like, I was also protecting them. Listen, I'm just trying to get cleaned up over here, okay? I'm trying to clean this up, trying to cut out my nasty, not purified by the word, words that are coming out of my mouth. I am trying to purify my heart over here, okay? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because what does Jesus say about me? I'm going to look and see what he says about me, and I'm going to say it while I'm cleaning up so that I'm really getting rid of it, you know? Like, there's a process. you got to clean up, and there are some boundaries you might have to put in your life so it's successful. So if you're taking notes, the first thing that Asa did and the first thing that we have to do is we have to remove. We have to remove things that are getting in the way. Mm-hmm. We have to clean up. We have to take and examine our lives, examine our marriages, and say, is there anything that's getting in the way mm-hmm. of what my, I really desire? These could, be, these could be things like it's too busy. There's too much going on. Uh, it could be friendships that are getting in the way that you have to put, you have to put a boundary on. But what we're going to say it this way. Anything that sucks out the life. Mm-hmm. Anything that sucks out life is not worth it being where it's at. Mm-hmm. We, should, we should remove that. Mm-hmm. We should remove that. We have to cut off the axis of wrong thinking for the lies. Go to the point where it starts and cut that out. Go to the Lord and say, Lord, this is what I'm believing. What is the truth here? Mm-hmm. What is the truth here? Uh, uh, several years ago, Pastor Dwayne did a series called Guardrails. It was an awesome. It was an awesome series, and essentially, it's this in our life, just like on the highway. I don't know if you've ever been driving uh, uh, by a by a river or by a stream or by a cliff, and they'll put these things that are guardrails. And the intention, how many of you know this? The intention is not for me to run my car up against the guardrail right? Mm-hmm. What's the intention? The intention is if I lose control of my car, whether I blow a tire or it's slippery or I have to swerve to miss another car or a person, in that case, my car will hit the guardrail and the guardrail is in a place that's healthy mm-hmm. so I don't fall into a place that's unhealthy. Well, we have to do the same thing in our marriages. We have to put up guardrails so that we don't enter into areas, so we don't allow dirt to get on the floor and to build up for me to step on the Lego. We we have to tell our kids, no, the Legos stay in the basement. They don't come upstairs. I can't tell you how many times I tell my kids this. <laughs> Jaden, the Legos stay downstairs in the Lego, on the Lego table. But, but dad, I just want to show mom. Mm-hmm. I always get that one. I'm like, okay, show mom, but then take it right back downstairs. But how often you're walking through the, I don't know if you guys have, have boys. We've got a girl and two boys that love to play with Legos. And I'm sure Josiah, the one that I forgot <laughs> to mention earlier, he's going to want to play with. He's, he's not the forgotten child, but I'm sure he's going to want to play with Legos. But I can't it tell happens. you how many times I've been walking through the living room and a Lego on a wood, wood floor against the bottom of my foot. My foot loses every time. Yep. Right. But we could put up guardrails in our life to say, hey, I'm not going to allow my schedule to get that busy. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'm not going to allow myself to be out of the house so many Mm-mm. nights Mm-mm. a week. I'm not going to allow friendships to go to a place where they're more important than this area of my life. I'm going to set up a guardrail to make sure that I'm staying in the safe. And when I hit it, I'm still in a safe place. There might be some damage to my car, but when I hit the guardrail, I'm still in a safe place. And that's what we have to do. We have to choose to put up guardrails. We have to choose to, 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 to live a life that says, I'm going to clean out the things yeah. that are getting in the way of what I really want. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean out the things. So for marriages, it could be busy schedules. It could be 
How many of you guys have had this thought, like keeping up with the Joneses, like, man, I wish I had what they had. I wish I had what they had. Mm-hmm. It could be negative influences of, of friends. Uh, my mom... My mom passed away in 2008, but before my mom passed away, uh, when I was in high school, my parents did not have a healthy marriage. And there was one thing that I noticed from my perspective is the people that my mom hung out with were all divorced. When I went to college, the first month I was at college, my parents got divorced. I wonder what it would have been like if my mom would have had friends that encouraged marriage instead of abandoned marriage. Our friends are important. Mm -hmm. The people around us determine where we're going. Uh, For marriages, it could be this. It could be health of lackey communication, stonewalling. Mm -hmm. I'm going to remove those things. I'm not going to allow those things to influence me. We have to choose to not let stonewalling stonewalling enter our marriages. Those things that stop intimacy. Uh, One thing about intimacy is a lot of times when you hear the word, you think about physical intimacy, but intimacy is so much more than physical. You have have spiritual intimacy. Mm -hmm. It's are you seeking after the Lord together? Mm -hmm. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God. Is that part of your marriage? Mm -hmm. You have to have intimacy emotionally. It's those those times when I sit up and say, I could tell this is such an important conversation (laughs) that I'm going to not fall asleep because... I could fall asleep. I think we talked about it last night. We were talking about, like, I put my head down, and I'm like, out. And she could be talking, and I'm like, out. Like, honey, this is not the place for conversation. Um, Definitely can't have it at the dining room table anymore. Yeah. Um, It also could be something like this. The lie, uh, you're failing in your marriage, so how Mm. could you help someone restore their marriage? That's good. We have to choose Mm -hmm. to get these things out of our life. And it starts Mm -hmm. with the process of cleaning up. And then, and then Rachel, once you swept the floor, what was the next thing that you did? The next thing I did, I wanted to real quick uh, go uh, along with what you said. How can I minister to others or show them Christ when I'm failing in this part of my life? My home's falling apart. My marriage is falling apart. My kids are going crazy, you know? Um, and you know, maybe people know that about you. Cause let's be real. Like if you live close with people, you share and they can see what's going on. You know, they're kind of good thermos- thermometers as well. So that's the lie. And Mike Benson covered that really where really well, where he said, when you start thinking about you and how you're failing, you go do something for the Lord, go give someone a word of encouragement, do something for your husband. What if like you got in a fight and you're, yeah, like you start measuring like, gosh, what is that? That does not feel good. That is, ugh, I want to get that in the trash can. Call him when your emotions are under the submission of Christ, of the Holy Spirit, okay? We have learned from 10 years, you know, we, we can do pretty good. We're pretty, we love each other, so we don't really, know. We learned how to communicate, like, in our third year of marriage. Wouldn't you say I was pregnant with Jaden? Fourth year? Into the fourth year? Yep. That's when we really learned how to communicate our heart. It took a while, you know, and it's, we're still learning this, but get your emotions under submission and go serve someone, you know, make it right. Start picking that stuff up right away. And so then you need to go into the restoration process. So this is where you are going to scrub the grime because there's removing the things. Like if social media is making you compare, it's making your mind go fuzzy and it's making you think like you're failing, get rid of it. Like cut it off. Why does it matter? What are you going to miss? Please don't let us be a FOMO generation. Like, teach our kids it's okay to miss the things that are hurting you. Like, you know, like, protect yourself. So while you're scrubbing, maybe you just need to do it while you're scrubbing, you know. This is Jesus. This is Jesus washing you. When I think of this, and I was mopping my floors, and I had my son locked in his booster seat. (laughs) And I'm like... Jojo and Jaden, if you're going to get on the floor, I need you to put socks on. And you can ice skate, but I don't want your footprints all over. So go ahead and put your fuzzy socks on, and you can ice skate on my wood floors. I'm fine with that. But I don't want footprints, okay? Because I don't want any other footprints 
on my life when I'm being restored except for the footprints of Jesus Christ. And what I got when I was mopping my floors and I was thinking about my heart, you know, these last couple of months and, Rach, you're doing okay. It's really good for you to check on yourself <laughs> very often, very, very, very often, okay? I mean, okay, I'm not gonna go there. That's a bunny trail, bunny trail. Okay, so think of Jesus, how he washed the disciples' feet. I want you to picture this, okay? I want you to picture what I'm talking about. Because what I'm talking about is how uncomfortable it is when you're walking out life with people who are hurting and you bring in those pine needles to your marriage. And then you're walking in, maybe you're hearing conversations that aren't uplifting and it's getting you down and you're bringing in this, I'm just deflated. You know, or maybe you're counting on yourself for all the energy for your kids and so you're drinking lots of coffee and you're spilling it everywhere. Your kids are dumping your coffee all over because you have four cups around the house just in case you need it in every room. So you're gotten sticky and you brought it in to your marriage. Or other people are bringing it in to your marriage. Jesus knew that the disciples were going to be ministering and he knew that they were going to be going into some really rough towns. Like they were going to be in rough towns times they were it says they're gonna have to leave some of their family they're gonna have to leave some of their friends they're gonna have to go follow jesus and leave the boat and they're gonna pick up dirt because it was really dirty then and they didn't have all the you know the paved roads and everything so jesus got down and he washed their feet i want to read this right from it so it's in john 13 3 through 10 um, it goes and it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. He knew his time was coming. So he's like, this I got to do. They have to know this. They have to know this part of me and they have to understand this. He knew he was about to leave. So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel. He's about to get to work and he knew he might get wet. So he took out his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist after that, he poured the water in the basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Simon comes around and he says, well, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? I mean, you know, like they're getting washed over there. <laughs> can, can you wash mine? <laughs> you know, it's attractive. When you see someone, you see a sister getting washed, you see some real change going on. That's attractive. And you're like, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. He's thinking he's too dirty. There's no way. You're the king of kings. You're the savior. Like you did everything. You're the perfect example. Ah, I don't want you to see the Cheerios. I don't want you to see the Legos. I don't want you to see the dirt and the grime and everything. You're not going to wash my feet. <laughs> you know, Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. I know I'm using a funny story. I'm trying to make it practical in your home. Something that you come encounter with every day and something as wives we often do is sweep our floors, mop our floors because they're sticky, because <clears throat> they're dirty and they, they need to be washed. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then the Lord said, well, don't just wash my feet. Wash my hands, wash my head. And Jesus says, listen, honey, I'm, I'm making it my own now. Listen, honey, you are clean. Like, we're clean, women. Like, I don't want this to be like a beat you down message. We're clean, okay? We're clean. We have the spirit of God living in us. We are made new. We are a new creation. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. But... When we travel and when we're in community and we are out in this world, we've brought some stuff into our marriage. And you better believe that this marriage is a representation of the marriage, the feast that we're going to be with Jesus, that we are the bride of Christ and we are going to be at the wedding ceremony with him someday. This is your ministry right here. Okay? This ain't good. You better check some relationships at the door and say, I may need to work on this. I love you. Can you be, just be praying for me? Can you actually send me some encouraging scriptures while I'm over here praying? 
the Holy Spirit might tell you to share something, he might. Check it with him. Okay? Check it with him. This is a sacred place, you know? And, and let him wash you because he knows where you've been. He knows where you've been. Okay? Um, <laughs> uh, real quick, I want to kind of go through the last two points. Um, the second point is, is this. Once you, have, once you have cleaned yourself, you need to restore yourself. Mm-hmm. Asa, it says this in 2 Chronicles 15, 8. It says, Asa felt brave when he heard these words, the message of Asa and o- Oded, the prophet. So he removed the hateful idols from all of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns that he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He repaired the Lord's altar that was in front of the porch of the mm-hmm. temple of the Lord. Mm-hmm. He chose to repair what was important. Going back to the original intention, we need to do the same thing. Once we remove things out of our life, just like Rachel was talking about, we need, we need to then go back to what's important, and that's what helps build our marriage. Our marriage is intended to represent Christ well. It's intended to be heaven on earth. Naturally, things tend to go into our marriage, and it tends to fall away, so we need to put energy in maintaining it. And then after, after Asa repaired the temple... He recommitted with the people of his country. They came together and they said, we're going to make a commitment to follow God with everything. We need to do the same things in our marriage. There is a battle for our marriage. There's two plans for our marriage. There's the there's the enemy's plan mm-hmm. and there's God's plan. If something is taking life out of your marriage, it's partnering with the enemy's plan. Mm-hmm. Just stop that. Choose to partner with God's plan. Use your words of confession. Use the sword that Pastor Karen always talks about. Mm-hmm. Use the word of God to say, no, this is not the intention from our marriage. And I'm not going to allow my marriage to line up with the enemy's plan. I'm going to choose to line up with God's plan because there is a battle for your marriage. And it comes down to this. It takes unity. It takes being on the same page. We can't force it with our spouse. Go ahead, try it with your husband. Try to force him. It won't work. (laughs) It comes back to having unity. Psalms 133 verse 3 talks about the unity and it commands God's blessing. So we need to choose to seek God and say, God, I'm going to choose to do this. And even in the moment when your husband decides I'm not wanting to be a part of this, you say, God, I'm going to choose to do, I'm going to choose to love my husband through my spouse. Yeah. Even when things look horrible, even when, yeah. even when my spouse keeps bringing dirt into this marriage, yeah. I'm going to keep cleaning it up in a respectful, honoring way, and I'm mm-hmm. going to choose to love and honor my spouse, yep. to love and honor God. Yeah. We need to have unity. We need to have unity. If you can, have a vision, not two visions. Pastor Jimmy Evans says when there's two visions, it's division. Yeah. What's the vision for your marriage? What's the vision for your marriage? So back to John 10, 10, the enemy has a plan to disrupt the unity of your marriage. God wants to have unity between you and your spouse. Choose to partner with God. Second Chronicles 15, 10 through 12, we'll wrap up with this. Asa and these people gathered in Jerusalem in the third month of the 14th year of Asa's rule. At that time, they sacrificed to the Lord 700 bulls, 7,000 sheep and goats from the valuable things Asa's army had taken from their enemies. Then they made an agreement to obey the Lord, their God, of their ancestors with their whole being. Ladies, can I tell you this? Make an agreement to obey God this morning. Make an, make an agreement. Make an agreement. It'll bring joy into your marriage. I encourage you to look up 2 Chronicles 14, 15, and 16 and read about King Asa. Mm-hmm. And the last thing, I just want to put a picture up of our door, our front door, if we could get that. And with the recommit, this is, I just want to put a picture, a visual, this is my front door, of Get out there, get dirty in the word, in the world. Like live next to people, do things with people, serve people, respect people, love people. But let the Holy Spirit, when you walk up your front steps, say, Holy Spirit, I give all of that to you and what I bring into my marriage now and into my home and how I represent you to my children. I'm dropping and I'm laying that burden on you so that I can walk into my house 
and I've removed things, I've now restored things, and I'm recommitting my life to Jesus Christ. And yes, facelift, I'm just going to end with this, facelift was our theme. And I just want to start with, I didn't even put my lipstick on, and the Holy Spirit was like, cuz. I'm like, okay. You don't forget everything because there's a reason, but he always uses it, right? (laughs) When you put on your lipstick, when you lift your face to Jesus, I got the visual of like when you put your lipstick on in the morning, put it on every morning, you know. So your husband, you look pretty, give me a kiss. So I can stick with you when you leave, you know, and every girl knows you're married. Um, Think about the blood of Jesus on our lips as women. And we create with our lips in our marriage. And when you wear that lipstick today, put it on in your home as a reminder that the blood of Jesus is on my lips. And the words that come out of my lips are going to create life. They're going to create restoration. They're going to create healing. And if I have dishonored my husband, devil, I am going to start honoring that man. Whether he deserves it or not, I'm starting new. I'm out of the funk and I'm ready to be brave. So we just want to encourage you with that this morning. Um, If we can just all bow our heads. Is that good? All right. Well, Father God, we love you. We adore you and we adore the unity of marriage. We honor the unity of marriage. Lord God. Lord, and if there are women who are downcast and full of burdens, there is just nothing that is too far. There is no angry conversation. There is no lack of understanding. There is no weakness that's out of your reach, Lord God, for you to fill up with every source that we need. So, Lord, I just pray bravery and courage over all of us as women in all of our relationships, Lord God, that if we've been medicating, I got a picture of someone using medication you're thinking of taking your life because your marriage is bad right now in your, in your eyes. And the Lord sees you and he loves you. And he wants you to throw that in the trash when you get home. Get it out of your house. He sees it. He loves you. So, Lord, we love you so much. We give all of the rest of this day to you, Father God. And as we honor these men who fought in battle for us, Lord Jesus, what a representation of the battle that we want to go out of this church, out of this body of community, and fight the war with love and honor and respect for our husbands and the relationships in our lives. We just give the rest of this morning to you in Jesus' name. Amen.